Now, where did I put it? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Howdy, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode 20, and I have a very special guest on episode 20. I can't wait because uh, I'm very excited. Just, yeah, I'm tingling. So let's get right into this. Who are you, and what is your military background? Hey, I'm Gardner. I am a father and a husband and a retired Navy SEAL. I spent 30 years in the SEAL team, served at every level of enlisted leadership and several levels of executive leadership as an enlisted guy. Uh, I made it to the rank of E9, which in Navy is a master chief. So I guess the army equivalent of that would be like a sergeant major. I was the SEAL Team 5 Command Master Chief and our training detachments Command Master Chief right before I retired two years ago. And now I work for Jocko Willink at his company Echelon Front, and we solve problems through leadership. And Which is fantastic. Even if you're not leading other people, you're still leading. Yep. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I've, uh, after reading Extreme Ownership the first time, uh, I started to realize all of the mistakes that I had made <laughs> through my uh, initial yeah. uh, foray into leadership. And uh, it was, yeah, like black and white. And, it, you know, as, I, as he says all the time, when you see the way broadly, you see it in all things. And then as soon as I recognized my mistakes there, I was realizing what I was doing wrong, not only in uh, when I was in the military, but afterwards and dealing with nonprofits and, and being a father and all these things, it all just ties into each other. And it's leadership is so, so key. So how long have you been um, retired and at Echelon Front? Cause you made the switch like immediately, right? Like you retired and then jumped in with uh, Jocko. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, let's see, I retired on a Wednesday and Wednesday of the following week, I was doing my first leadership instruction gig with uh, Echelon Front. Now, I've spent a third of my career at training commands. So, you know, cause you just can't do at a SEAL team. The way we have our, our progression set up, you just won't be, you can't promote that way. And you would just burn out if it was cycle after cycle after cycle. So I was really lucky in that when I wasn't at a SEAL team, I was at our training detachment. So I did basically my whole career of the Naval Special Warfare Group 1 claimancy. It's the 06 command that all the West Coast SEAL teams are under. And so when I wasn't at a SEAL team, I was attachment training other SEALs to get ready to deploy not in our selection course, screaming at students and making them hit the surf, yeah. but training, training guys getting ready to deploy it. And the, the, the awesome aspect of that is that when you have to teach something, you really, really learn it. Then you also, when you're teaching it, you can see the mistakes that other folks are making and you can learn from those mistakes because they're most of them are making the same over and over again and so that helps you out as, as you move forward as well but, yeah I've uh, been doing uh this for two years that's fantastic i i couldn't think of a better person to teach uh the average person leadership skills than a chief like that just 
that that makes perfect sense. <laughs> uh, every RSM, it, every sergeant major not, I've ever known is that these there's a there's a mentality to it, right? Especially for teaching, and it is, you know, you have the experience behind you. Whatever you the words that uh, you use and the way you which you speak to people, there is a gravitas there that is like really effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, that must be something that I'm doing subconsciously because, but it, I think it does come across, like you said, with all the leadership. And then it comes across as well. I said, when you genuinely want to see people do better, like I was interested in growing better seals and making sure they were better, you know, that the guys who took my spot as I passed the torch back would do better than me. And that comes across and people are willing to take more about what you're trying to teach them when they know that you wanted to see the best for them yeah. and the organization as a whole. Yeah. How, uh, how was your transition? Cause I mean, you had a week, right? Like that's, that's not much of a transition to come from the military into a civilian company dealing with people. Yeah. Well, I'm not really in a civilian company. I work with Jaco Willink and JP Donnell and Dave Burke and all these guys who are prior, you know, ex-military, uh, and and like Mike Sully, Steve Ward, and I knew, and and Le- and Leif Babin knew all these guys um, for going back to 2005 for a lot of them, back to 1993 for Jocko. so that was easy. But here's the deal: the transition unless something really crazy happens, it's a slow motion train wreck. You see a, a mile away. And so I started planning for my transition three years before my retirement, because I'm like, this is how I'm going to do 30 years and I'm getting out. Yeah. So like I wouldn't go outside the wire in Afghanistan or Iraq without doing pro- proper planning. And you, you just don't, get ready for a transition without doing the, the same plan at all. So it was fairly seamless. And I was lucky in that I didn't lose my peer group because, you know, it has in the peer group. And I think that's what a lot of folks struggle with the most is typically when they leave the military, now they've lost their peer group and they maybe probably move away from the military base they've been on. Um, and they start to feel a little bit of isolation, no boomer. The, the, now, firemen and police will understand that, that kind of sick military sense of humor, mm-hmm. but for the most part, people won't laugh at the same jokes. They'll get uncomfortable and shift from one way to the other, and, and so that's weird. So um, it wasn't hard for me to find a group of friends that, got that sense of humor that that challenged me and 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 so i think that's what a lot of folks need to do is be aware that's going to happen and then be ready to to build yourself a new peer group absolutely i couldn't agree more i always say you know get involved in the community like your 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 veteran community your military community wherever you go especially here in canada it's a lot harder because we have a very small military and uh Mm -hmm. when we move we move like there, there's only so many bases you can go to. So like, you're either in Alberta or you're in Ontario or you're on the East uh-huh. coast or on the West coast. So if you live anywhere outside of those normal areas, you're gone. 
to, to, to the military, to your yep. peer group, you are basically on the moon. And I know guys that went out to like Northern Manitoba where there is no military presence whatsoever. And you're, they experience the exact same thing that you were saying that, you know, the isolation and depression leads in from after that. And then you start dealing with no one knows you, no one knows how to talk to you. There's a definite issue there and planning just like in anything, especially military wise, it's everything we do, right? Every time you make a plan, you need mm-hmm. at least three COAs. Every time you make uh, you set it, do up a set of orders, it's to the minute, to the second even. Like it is detailed and oriented to what it is you want to do. And unfortunately, I think a lot of guys get out as, a, as like an escape, right? And then they just like, I need to get out of the military and they just leave. And there's, there's no plan. There's no setup. There's no even mission forward or... Uh, way to advance it's uh, it's extremely challenging so yeah. i get it's uh very absolutely true that uh planning is key now if you were to give somebody one item like if you were to talk to yourself three years ago was there anything that you missed anything that you a uh, small detail that you wish you would have uh known No, no, nice. No, I, I mean, I be with where I'm at now, so I, I made myself under on, okay, here's my retirement date, and then I backed up from it, and I was like, I need to do all these medical appointments. I need to make sure this is squared away financially. Uh, this one, I need to put my house on the market so I can California, uh, all, all these things. So all that all that laid out pretty well. I'm really happy with uh, how things have turned out so far. Um, but my advice to anyone else is, you know, and like you talked about, the folks I think that have trouble with the military, the ones that just like, they're tired of being told to, so they don't really realize how good they had it in the military until they get out. And oh, yeah. all of a sudden they're like, well, they paid me to go work out. And, you know, was it really that big a deal that I had to drag a razor across my face or get a hair? Probably not. And, and so th- there's kind of that shock and realization and isolation that they, they're feeling when they're out there. But Bob, the key to that is you'll find other people that you share common interests with, like you said, get involved with, even if they're not military. There's wildland firefighters, there's police, there's folks that are working, you know, on oil rigs where it's negative. And that's not a job for the faint of heart. And they're probably someone that you can find some common ground with and then build your group out of that. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And a lot of those guys are usually ex-military anyway. So, you know, construction and police and fire. And these guys are most of the guys I know that got out when we were still in Afghanistan was they went to the rigs. So they were working the oil rigs Mm -hmm. all over the place. And I know, and you know, those are great paying jobs or you're again, the peer group is the same. It's a dark kind of humor. You're already isolated. Uh, And it's a, it's a pretty masculine job anyway. So there's a nice, transition there right there's no uh no issues in Mm -hmm. that regard but 
the the one thing that I, you know, I especially had issues with when I first got out and I had a, a diagnosis of PTSD and depression, and all this other stuff um, was just being able to manage people because that just drove me fucking nuts. And the thing that I eventually kind of came to realize was that I was the minority, right? Like I had to, there was a, a, yeah. a conscious shift in my head where I said, okay, well, there's only like maybe a million, maybe a million serving and veterans in Canada. Uh, and there's 34 million people here. So like the way I did things is not the way everybody does stuff. So I can't, uh, push that onto other people. Do you, do you, do you ever, I know you went directly kind of into your own peer group. <laughs> have you seen any other uh, members have that kind of yeah. issue? Well, sure. That's real common because, you know, you, you, you show up on time when you say you're going to be somewhere and you're doing better than 80% of the people. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I, I think in the area that I live, because I live in a real rural area that there's a, people have a great work, work ethic. And for the part, uh, um, I'm not disappointed in, the, in most of my uh, neighbors. But yeah, there's one of those things to understand what's under the scope of your control and realize that most things you can't control how other people behave. So you have the ultimate freedom in that you, you can react however you want. And that kind of mindfulness and really it's just studying stoicism is what helped me deal with a lot of uh, my temper issues and PTSD and things like that. Yeah. I, uh, stoicism has been really fascinating. Actually, I didn't realize, know anything about it until um, I actually started listening to Jocko's podcast and i think somebody mentioned it on there and i was like oh what, what is this and i've read uh, the meditations by marcus Aurelius, and i started actually diving into it and i was like oh wow like <laughs> it's it's so obvious too a lot of the points you're just like well yeah i can't control anybody else's uh i can't control anybody like that makes perfect sense but logically you can understand it but emotionally it's a whole nother ball of wax right and you know it's so yeah. important to be able to control your own emotions because well i mean you're the only it's you right and i had a conversation with a, mm -hmm. a corrections officer uh, a while back i think it was episode six and we talked about just like anger as an emotion and how toxic it is in your own uh in your own body and it actually like it affects your your heart and it affects your uh, your musculature and it, like there's so many things that it can actually affect negatively um, but a lot of people don't understand how, right? Like why, why is managing your temper so important for me? It's just so that I don't lose my shit on my kids or I don't get into a fight outside. Right. But why do you think it's so important for even the average person to just really have a hold on their own temper? Well, there are things that anger does for you that um, in certain situations could be helpful. Like you, your, with, uh, your ability to withstand pain is probably better when you're angry. I think you're probably able, you're probably stronger when you're angry, but you're also 
cognitively impaired because your body shifted gears mm -hmm. into what it's trying to do. So you're not really capable of some really good strategic decisions in the moment. Um, and then the fact that, that, you know, you get angry, you're spiking your cortisol, which is a stress hormone that is not good for you mm -hmm. uh, when, when it's spiked all day. And it wasn't until, you know, Aqua Podcast brought this up and they also brought it up on, you know, Marcus Aurelius talks about this, where, you know, not being able to control weakness. And so when you burn, that's not weak. And uh, you should do your best to have your emotions at all times so that you can think clearly. Absolutely. You know, I, uh, it, it's such a, a key thing too, because I found a lot of, especially kids aren't taught how to manage their own temper. And I mean, I do it with my boys pretty regularly when they start to get frustrated and start to get, you know, uh, start to <laughs> have a breakdown. I, you know, I tell them, okay, well, we'll just stop deep breaths, big, deep breath in big, deep breath out. Okay. Let's stop and think, what is the issue? Why are you frustrated? like get to the root of it and, uh, and just, you know, really detach from the emotion of it and just, okay, logically think, how do we move forward? How do we solve this problem? But for me, it was a lot different because I'm talking to myself, right. And I can, <laughs> I can rail on myself pretty good when you really want mm -hmm. to. And, uh, I'm a pretty logical person and I needed to find the root, like what it was that really bothered me to the point that I was losing my temper. And eventually what I found out for myself was it was control because, you know, for an engineer, everything, everything we do is about control. Anytime you're dealing with explosives, it is you control the site, control the environment, control the, uh, the explosive itself. Like it's control. And, uh, you know, when you have kids, they are not in your control. <laughs> and so, you know, a lot of times when I would lose my temper, it was, it was solely of the, the point that I had no control over the situation. And it took me a long time to realize that. But once I did, I was like, ah, that's why I'm getting bothered by my kids running off in the middle of the street without looking, right? Because I'm not in control of that situation. Mm -hmm. And I found, you know, really finding the root cause of it. What is it, what is it that's really bothering me? that caused me to lose my temper. Did you have a, a, something similar to that? Is there like a, a, a key, a root for you that uh, would cause you to get that agitated back in the day? Yeah, uh, even now. I mean, it's it's a never ending struggle trying to, to control my temper. And the, the one thing that I found was super helpful is just being mindful of when I was getting ready to, I was getting fired up mm -hmm. and beginning to lose my temper or get angry. And so then once I was able to, to, to assess what those, those physiological signs are, like I, my, my thought, my thought loops, that'll start happening when I'm getting angry, I'll start whitening up the steering wheel. Um, I can feel my face flush out. And then I can take a step back and have that internal dialogue that you're talking about. Say, why am I mad? And let's just take the traffic is a classic one that gets me fired up. Like, yeah. yeah, why am I mad? Well, because that person in front of me 
clearly was enough time for all of us to make it through and now i'm going to have to sit through a whole cycle of lights and then i can go well the internal dialogue goes you know is there anything you can do about it nope yep i'm comfortable inside my car i have some nice music or a podcast i'm listening to so it's no big deal and then i can let go of where that emotion was taking to me where it used to be it just it, I would get fired up I wouldn't realize it and it would just carry me away because I was never I had never occurred to me to and I didn't have any tools in my toolbox on how to calm down and breathing is a great one you yeah. know pacing your breathing and making sure that you breathe with your diaphragm and you're breathing through your nose is a great one to help you calm down um you know, it's great that the public school my kids go to, their PE teacher teaches them, and I think it's actually part of the curriculum, which I'm thankful for, because awesome. they give them a lot of tools on, you know, emotional maturity, and uh, they'll attend count or practice breathing, um, you know, when they lose their temper. So hopefully there'll be light years in front of them as far as managing their emotions, because it's difficult to manage. Yeah. Especially if you don't realize that there's, if you don't make that connection that losing your temper is weak, it's really hard not to temper. Once you make that connection, then you're like, oh, okay, it is not virtuous to lose your temper. Uh, the direction I need to go in is having control of everything. And so what, you know, how can I get that done? Yeah, I think a lot of it also, you know, it's easy, right? It's easy to get angry. And a for a lot of people, when yeah. you get angry, others will back off, right? The, the whoa, okay, you know, <laughs> calm down. And mm -hmm. you all of a sudden have power now. And so I, I can see the connection there growing up, right? If you started to get really agitated, like I, I was always a really tall, skinny guy. It wasn't until I was in the military where I actually put mm -hmm. on a weight. So I got bullied a lot uh, when I was younger. And I was in martial arts, so I would, you know, whatever, cool. You know, people do whatever you want to. But I, I had this, uh, my temper would just like, it would just start to nag at me, right? And, and I would try and put it off and I'd try and put it off, but I wouldn't actually deal with it. I would just be like, mur, 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 and I'd be angry for a long period of time. And then finally I would snap, right? And I would lose it. And then all of a sudden everybody would go, whoa, okay, this guy who is normally calm, is not calm anymore and then all, like i i recognize oh my god i have power using this anger but you're not actually utilizing it right like you are being used by your anger and it's that the idea that it is a weakness to just to let that go and i find you know being able to find those triggers as you said like um really to when you're sitting in traffic and you're just like that motherfucker was on his phone i bet he was on his phone how and you're just like whoa whoa whoa, whoa. okay mm -hmm. <laughs> is that gonna help like am i am i am i doing anything right now and traffic for me same thing it always riles me up but like driving behind somebody and they're doing 80 in a 100 zone and you're just like just come on man like just go uh but being able to recognize them a is a first step obviously and then you know, mitigate them, actually talk them through in your head and go, okay, you know, what is the real issue? Like, how late am I going to be? Did I give myself enough time? Is And really, you know, as, uh, as I've heard many times before, and I think it was in, um, I think it was on a podcast as well, but it, uh, 
right? Like it's, it's your fault, right? Like if you are running late, it's not the person in front of you's fault that is going to make you late. You're already running late. You're the one that did that. If traffic comes out and there's an accident or something like that, well, you, uh, you can't control that. Why are you getting angry about it? Right? Like it's, it's, uh, it's pretty silly, but for me, once there's, there's two levels for me and you know, there's once I've already lost it. Like I'm, I'm already pissed off. I'm already angry. And then I realize I'm pissed off and I go, Oh shit, <laughs> I'm, I'm really pissed off. Mm-hmm. And I used to, I, I, this happens every once in a while now, but I have better tools to manage it. But I would get into what I call a rage spiral and I would be angry at something. And then I realize that I'm getting angry about that thing and go, why the fuck? That's, that's stupid. I shouldn't be getting angry about that. And I would get angry at the fact that I'm getting angry and then, I'd get, and then I'd get angrier and then you get angrier and it just like, and it just riles you right to the peak. Right. Mm-hmm. For me, what I had to do in those rage spirals was just like segregate. Like the moment I realized I was in that, I was just like, I'm done. And I'd have to walk off and try and mm-hmm. manage the emotion from there. Anything for you for, you know, what do you do when you you're already pissed off? You've already lost control. What are your, uh, your go-tos? Yeah. So I fall prey to what those things, those negative thought loops where I'll just come back to something and keep coming back to it. And, um, and they have difficulty letting it go. And so the first step is to identify that you're in a loop and then have to see if it's worth being angry about. And it's always not worth being angry about. And then I find it helpful to exercise some gratitude. And by that, I'll mean, well, you know what? Yeah, it's rough right now, but guess what? I'm not on the baton death march. Yeah. Or I'm not in a gulag or I'm not in, um, you know, a concentration camp or on the Eastern front. There are so many examples out there of that, that you can look at if any reading at all about history where people have it like hundreds of. So much worse. Yeah. And you do. And so really when, when you come down to it, you're like, yeah, first world problems. Yeah. Um, I'm good to go. Yeah. I, gratitude is such a so, great, great tool. Yeah, it's a a sense of appreciation to that is is one of the pillars of of good health. I think I I don't I know it. I'll say there's at it from different directions that you, we we can say it's a truth. You know, you get you get good exercise, good sleep, good diet, and then you got a sense of appreciation you're probably in a pretty good spot as a yeah. human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, again, couldn't agree more. The, the, the big thing for me, at least I had to practice those, right? Like it's not something that you can just kind of, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm going to be gra- I'm going to be gracious from now on and just call it a day. Right? <laughs> it, that, that's a skill set. You have yeah. to work it. Right. And I, I liken it to, um, your immediate actions, your stoppages and immediate actions, right? You don't, you may know how to do a stoppage drill. Sure. But unless you drill that over and over and over and over again, when you actually do have a stoppage, 
like you, you need to know how to do it. And it's not a story. You don't need to know how to do it. You need to be able to do it without thinking about it. And it seems the, the idea of having gratitude or being able to recognize when you're in a spiral, that is a, that is a practiced skill. And it takes, it takes a long time and you gotta be ready to fail. That's the other part of it, right? Like, cause it's not going to work every time. It's uh, it, it might work half of the time so for the first little bit. It might work a quarter of the time for the first little bit, but it, it's like the grind. It's the same thing as doing your IAs and stoppages. You're going to sit there and go, why am I still doing this? Oh my God, dropping your mag, clearing the chamber. Okay. Put a new mag in. It gets to a point where you're like, this is getting kind of dumb, but it's in those reps that you get the skill. Um, and I, I just, I think it's such I mean, a, listen, the, go ahead. The, the perspective is a huge aspect of that aspect of it too. I mean, for most of us, we haven't ever really suffered. So you really don't have that great a perspective of how good you actually have it. Oh, yeah because you've met, you haven't been to the bottom. So that's, I, I think it's really important that in order to get that perspective, people are studying their history or at least reading these books, you know, like uh, last year we got questions um, on Echelon in Front where people were, there, oh, my teenage daughter, it's her senior year and they're not gonna have a prom because of COVID and she's really upset. That's cool. Here, hand her this copy of the diary of Anne Frank and have mm -hmm. her read it. Let's talk about it. <laughs> then, you know, other no one has it. Those kids aren't hiding in an attic for a year and a half trying to avoid getting concentration camp. So they just don't know. And we as adults, we don't we haven't had those experiences either. Yeah. Um we can you can learn a lot from reading about stuff that really happened even though even if you don't have a way to anchor how bad that factor is but perspective when when jocko started doing the real dark cast he started with i think it was uh the machete seasons mm -hmm. and some and then uh he did a the when he did the Miley massacre in the cover of that uh, at that book about that massacre in Vietnam, I had to pull over twice because I was crying listening to that because I was so horrified and embarrassed that this is something that Americans did because I always thought we were the good guys. But the reality is, is people are people and we all have the potential inside of us to turn into horrible monsters. Yep. But listening to those stories made me appreciate that much more that I'm raising my children in a safe place and there's no war, any of that stuff. And, and so that's important and that's a big tool. That's a big tool that I think everybody should do is you should look at some of these really horrible events that have happened so you can have some appreciation for how good you have it. Absolutely. And you know, <clears throat> um, a lot of veterans really understand poverty better because, you know, usually where mm. we're, where we get stationed is not the nicest places, right? <laughs> we don't get deployed to Tahiti 
to go hang out on the beach, right? Like that doesn't happen. You go to the desert, you go to, uh, you know, Eastern Africa, you're going to not the, not the, the holiday spots that we want to go to. <laughs> so, you know, we have a firsthand view of it. And I, you know, I found when I got home and I had this mentality of like, man, these people just don't get it. And over time and uh, with some, some therapy and some help from my therapist, I got, I kind of got to the, I eventually got to the realization that there is, they don't need to actually understand, like they don't have to have experienced it to really understand it, but they have to be willing to make Mm. the connection. And for that, I mean, most people don't know what it's like to get shot at. Like, it's not a great feeling hearing that crack go right beside your ear and you're just like, well, shit, it's on now. Most people don't have that experience, but most people do know what it's like to be afraid, right? And they know what it's like to be, Mm -hmm. um, to have that adrenaline spike. And that when you can find those connections, when you can go, okay, well, it's similar to this. It's just like way above it. Then you can empathize. You won't truly understand, but you can empathize. And, you know, studying history has been a big one. I've been a student of history since I was little, and that has taught me so many lessons about life in general and to be you know gracious for what we have i actually just recently this last year my son's school asked me to do a video for remembrance day and i was like absolutely yeah no problem and one of the things i said in it was that the whole reason we have remembrance day is so that we can realize how good we have it and i mean there were kids that were eight or nine i believe looked about eight or nine overseas and there was the first time they were going to school ever, little girls that were going in, uh, in Panjway. And I was like, that's fantastic, right? I, I looked at that and I smiled and I'm like, we're doing a good job here. This is excellent work. And that they, you know, they still had to worry about whether or not there were bombs on the road to get to school. My kids don't even like, that's not even a realization that that could be possible for my kids. And I am so thankful for that because I don't want them to have to experience it, but by reading about it, by hearing about it, by um, being introduced to the topic, they can empathize. They can have a, a, a little touch of what it's like. And like you said, uh, you know, doing the Milai massacre, the machete season one was brutal. I actually had to, I had to pause that a couple of times and just like, go calm down. Cause I was just getting uh, really emotional about that one it was uh that was a very challenging one to to sit through as a whole podcast i can't even imagine trying to record that let alone trying to uh to read it take notes and then record it and and like it just that's a bit outside of yeah. my range but um again the key thing is like you get introduced to it and it's the same thing we did in training right we do stress inoculation you don't mm-hmm. just take a random brand new guy from basic and throw him into a full battle group assault with tanks and planes and labs running around shooting 25 mils and platoons running all over the place. That would be overwhelming for most people. You start off with pairs blank, get them introduced to the weapon, right? Get them introduced to moving with somebody else, get them introduced by communicating with each other and then advance from there. And I think one of the key things is once you get to a point where you can calm yourself down from already being angry that next stage that uh, going from pairs to section live is being able to recognize it 
while you're getting angry right and being able to see it before mm-hmm. you go over the top and going oh whoa, 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 okay i need to calm down mm-hmm. and then having multiple multiple tools right like we don't just have one reload drill right you got your basic reload you got your bolt fully forward bolt full rear bolt halfway forward you got a stove pipe like there's all kinds of drills for basically the same problem your gun doesn't shoot okay well how do you fix it and i think with uh temper and anger and stuff like that we really got to practice all those tools. You got to have multiple roots, as we were saying earlier. And, you know, what do you do? So for yourself, what, what are your, uh, your go-tos? When you start to get agitated, what, do you, what are the, the things that you utilize the most to backtrack yourself or mitigate in the process? Okay, let's break it down by the number. Step one is identify that I'm losing my temper. Step two is to have that internal dialogue that asks myself, is this worth getting over? Step three is typically, it's not control your breathing and then have a sense of appreciation for what you have. And then this is this mental toughness is something that I practice in that I get really fired up when I'll have discussions about I, I have very clear views on what I think uh, have to do with personal responsibility and, you know, ways of life. I get really annoyed when I see people trying to shirk their responsibility. And I need to be able to look at that and I'll look at like specifically social media is great for this because you can go see all the people's posts that completely are diametrically opposed to you on whatever your political scale is. Yep. Look at what they're saying and then for that little kernel of truth in it. Because there's always there's some, you know, no matter what, there isn't. There's some valid point that they're making, even though they're at the other side, and how you how you can adjust and improve your thinking. Because if you if you're not adjusting the way you look at the world, then you've lost your humility and you're unable to grow. And one thing I realize now I don't have all of them to prove. And I think that that's the cornerstone of what humility is. A lot of people mistake humility for meekness, and it's not meekness. It's yeah. a, well, hey, maybe I don't have all the answers. And this is, this is how I vote, and this is what my core beliefs are, but maybe they could be adjusted. And I don't know what someone else's life experiences are. And I can project what I think my my life experience on them, but that's 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 not fair generalization. It doesn't work. It's not a mature way to look at things. So there you have it. Like those three steps: identifying that I'm losing my temper, and I do that by looking at whatever the red flags are that let me know that, that that's happening. Number two, look whether or not you know it's worth losing my temper o- over. And number three is you know getting that sense of appreciation. And I exercise that. I do the immediate act we're talking about instead of waiting around for someone to come up to me and with the completely opposite opinion or something that's going to piss me off. I'll go look for it. Yep. And I'll do my rep just from surfing Facebook or Instagram. And uh, 
I'll look at what people are saying and and specifically not the you know not my cognitive biases but people that are at the other side of the spectrum see what they're saying and see well you know is there any kernel of truth to that and and really pay attention to how I react so that I can do that crucial debrief at the end of fashion to make myself better next time. And it's like you said, you just have to keep doing it and doing it and doing it, but you have to add that debrief portion in the end yeah. where you're humble enough to say, okay, this is where I could do better. Um, and this is where I think the military, we really have a leg up given our life experience and everybody, because that's how we operate. We go out and do these drills. And then when it's all over, we go, all right, team, what do we do right? What do we do wrong? How can we do it better next time? And we constantly adjust and adjust and adjust. And the battlefield changes so fast because the no one wants to die. You don't want to die. The enemy doesn't want to die. So that means they're constantly changing their tactics and techniques. And seeing that on the battlefield, you're like, oh, they just adjusted. And now, unless I want to die, Darwin is put in fire. I've got to adjust how I'm going to react to their adjustment. And it keeps happening. It keeps happening framework i think those of the military have a real leg up on understanding that because in the civilian world things just don't happen that fast yeah. covid has put pressure on our whole system that's causing at a really fast level and when we come out the other side of this we're better off for it no, it's a real slow procedure and you can kind of get away with not improving and still get by. Um, but the do that. Yeah, I find you have to briefing. Go ahead, Chan. Sorry. No, no I'll go to the, uh, the, I find the, you know, civilian market from what I remember when I was working the civilian before I was in the military, you know, a, a lot of people are very okay with the status quo right there. If everything is working, cool just leave it there. Right. And I, I take, mm -hmm. I am the same way. I take like almost offense to the idea of being okay with not changing that, that just, it throws my brain. <laughs> I just, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to learn and evolve and change and develop and grow. Uh, I used to work for this uh, video game company years and years and years ago. And we just like sold video games and stuff, but the owner, he had a set, this is the way things are. Nothing is changing. We're not advancing. We're not going to change the way we do things, period. End of discussion. And I, him and I butted heads constantly because I was a salesman. And I'm like, if we want to sell more stuff, we need to be able to adjust and, you know, play, play the system a little bit and move here, do this, shuck this way, whatever. And, you know, play the market rather than just assuming that the market's going to come to us. And it, it yeah, once I got in the military and everyone's like, okay, we're going to do this, this operation and then we're going to have an AAR after and what's your opinion, Sapper Burles? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know, I think we did well. And it wasn't until I was a corporal where I was actually looking for things to talk about and I was looking for like things to advance and how do I get better and how do we change this? And um, it, it's such a, it's a mind, mindset shift as well, right? Like to be able to, go from being okay with the way things are to wanting things to change, even if it's good right now, just still wanting things to change. Mm -hmm. And 
uh, I was reading, uh, did you ever read the book On Combat by uh, Lieutenant Carl Grossman? No. You, you should. It's an excellent, excellent book. He, he, he's come and spoken at uh, um, Dark at Group 1 a couple times. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always great stuff, but I, ha- I haven't had a chance uh, to run combat. And he's got On Killing as well. Yeah. On Killing yeah. was great um, was the- from a from a psychological uh, aspect of it. And then on combat was like the physiological effects of stress. So you get like, if you read them both, you get this really great large uh, view of it. I was reading on combat when I was in Afghanistan and it was mm-hmm. fed the, the site, the things that were happening afterwards, I was reading about in the book and I was just like, Oh, okay. That's why that happened. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. And yeah. then I was able to, to manage them a little bit easier. Um, but one thing that really got me on that was he was talking about the sheepdog, the range uh, of people. You know, you got 1% are wolves and 1% are sheepdogs. And you got 99% and it's a spectrum in between, right? And people will shift and move and blah, blah, blah. And I took that to heart in everything is that it's all a spectrum, right? If I want to get better in anything, I'm going to be, if like my fitness right now is not as good as it should be, well, I'm on the lower end of a spectrum. That means I need to be able to move myself up the spectrum to get better. If I want to, you know, get better at podcasting or get better at um, jujitsu or do anything, I am already at the low end of the spectrum, but now that I'm changing or I'm wanting to change, I'm slowly moving myself along that spectrum. And especially for temper wise, that's something that we have to do. If we want to manage our temper, we have to realize first off that we are not where we want to be and then make the adjustment from there. I had a podcast I just did a couple weeks ago on uh, inertia in that when you start moving, that initial change, when you go from a standstill to movement, it is really hard. And that that first few steps of trying to manage your your temper aren't gonna work and they're not gonna be easy and it's gonna make you hate wanting to change, (laughs) but they have to be done. Right. And then once you get moving and you start to see progress, it's a little bit easier and you keep moving and it's a little bit easier and then you keep moving and it's a little bit easier. Um, but I, I really think the, the key thing that, you know, where we both keep going on is having the humility to say, I need to change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, no improvement happens inside your comfort zone and people typically the status quo is comfortable it's predictable it's not scary it's not they don't think there's that much opportunity to fail and so that they stay in that box and to do any improvement you have got to get out of that box yeah absolutely um you know we're we're getting close to an hour now i just wanted to see if you have any got any final points got any uh any little tidbits of information for us <laughs> that we haven't crossed over yet yeah I, I another aspect i'd like everybody to think about is to approach the world from a sense of kindness it takes the greatest strength to respond to a frown with a smile and where we should practice being at is being stronger 
and more kind with one another. Um, at, at a time right now in my country, US, it's really polarizing and people are pulling further apart. And just because we have different opinions doesn't make us enemies. All of us have basically the same aspirations. We want to be able to spend with whomever we love and be traded fair and equitably for whatever we want to do and have a, a good, safe place to live. The other tiny stuff that we're arguing about right now is, is really small. And the only way we're going to fix anything is by having conversations with folks. And so there's this guy that I discovered via Joe Rogan. The guy's name's Daryl Davis. He's a black man. And he got 200 folks to leave the Ku Klux Klan. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you're talking about. He didn't do it by he didn't do it by sticking his finger in their eye. You know, it's like, okay, well, if anyone has a right to be angry with the Klan, it's black people. Yeah. And instead, he approached it from curiosity. And, and apparently, you can't be curious and angry at the same time. And so he, be, he engaged these clan members and he started with like this guy was like a grand cyclop or something. I'm not <laughs> sure how their, their, their yeah. competency architecture was in the clan, but it was a bad guy that was a leader in the clan. And he engaged the guy in conversation and kept engaging him and became friends with the guy. And so at one point, the guy's like, well, shoot, Daryl is a good dude my ideology has got to be off and he left the clan and that's how we're going to get some improvement and progress moving forward it's not by screaming at each other or calling names it's by having open and honest discussions and you have to believe in your heart that the other person is doing the best that they can so i think that if we approach the world with the concept of having a employing some empathy that will make it a better world for us to pass on to our kids and uh yeah that's it probably not the touchy-feely thing you thought a, a retired navy seal would tell you but these are the conclusions i've come to after you know a life of violence well that, that's the thing is i find um there's this i've said this a couple times to a, a lot of my buddies we have this um this veteran renaissance going on right now we have a whole generation of people who have been to war and have come back and aren't afraid anymore right we have people making starting mm -hmm. businesses and people doing art and people making knives and people making like all just all kinds of crazy stuff which is fantastic and i think it starts with the fact that we aren't afraid anymore and you know what uh i think it was Jordan Peterson was saying that, uh, you know, uh, a, oh, I just forgot the quote, <laughs> you know, uh, a strong man isn't someone who doesn't appreciate or has no skill in violence. It's someone that has that under check. Uh, I can't remember the exact quote, but the, the point is right. Like we are comfortable with violence, but we don't, we have that under voluntary control. Right? We're not just going off, flying mm -hmm. off the handle, ripping off people. Um, and I think that's one of the 
the great things about this this last generation is that we're now open to all of these things right i know law i got my mom's mm. side of the family are all hippies like super left-wing hippies and my dad's side of the family are all ranchers and i got my army bros who are all like even farther on that scale and i kind of sit in the middle and i just listen to everybody and i'm like cool man like you got some cool viewpoints and they got some cool viewpoints and i'm just gonna teach my boys how to be good men and then after that we'll see what happens <laughs> uh, yeah I try to live my life the same way I did when I was in Afghanistan and that, you know, I'm going to do what I can to find an IED, but if I, if I find it the wrong way, it's not my problem anymore. So why worry? Right. Yeah. <laughs> There's no point in, uh, in flipping, uh, flipping around. So now if anybody doesn't know you or hasn't following you, how would they, uh, they find you social media wise? Uh, I'm on Instagram at jason.n.gardner and on there I post like uh, a mix of war stories and you know kind of the homesteading lifestyle that I'm living now and and thoughts on parenting pictures of my kids and then if anyone's interested in, in doing anything through Echelon Front uh, you can find us at echelonfront.com which is Fantastic. I can't wait till you guys' first muster up north one day. I, I, I'm definitely going to be there, but I, uh, it's, it's a little bit outside of my price bracket just to fly to most of the places you guys are doing. So I, it, uh, sure. I, I can't wait, though. I, I'm really stoked. I, I've been following you guys for a while now, and uh, I, I think one of the, the key things, I wish we could bring Echelon Front into national defense headquarters teach the guys out in ottawa how to how to actually lead instead of being the uh uh having the issues that we do here in our military because it starts from the top right and you got to work your way down if you're not if you're not the example this is one of the things i found out as an instructor if you're not the example then who else is going to be right it's going to like all the recruits are looking yeah. at you going who's this fucking guy if you don't hold the uh if you don't hold the line no one else will that's gonna be it right and uh i got yeah uh i got into the the veteran ad advocacy community very uh early on once i got out of the military and got calm and it's that same thing i thought there was going to be this paragon tier one special forces dude's going to come down from the hill and be like all right boys this is where we're going follow me and uh and it was like, I realized that that person doesn't exist. <laughs> like the, uh, the perfect ideal soldier isn't going to just show up and take us on a path. It's got to be you. You're the only person leading you. So it's got to be you. Uh, and yeah, I can't, uh, I can't thank you enough for being on here, Jason. This has been a, just a fantastic conversation. This is, I'm, I'm so stoked. <laughs> I'm already more motivated than I was before. Awesome. We started. Thanks, John. That concludes this episode of the toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo.